I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you were transport minister, the trains were never on time. When you were justice minister, the police were strained to breaking point. And now as health minister, we've got record high waiting times. What makes you think you can do a better job as First Minister? You say you're the only candidate that can persuade people who voted no. In the first week of your campaign, you had people who voted leave, uh, voted yes, leave your campaign. MSP after MSP. Forget persuading no voters. You can't even keep yes voters and on site. Is, well, I am a unifier because I have already united the wider movement behind me. I think we need to heal the rest of our own party. Um, if you look at what's been happening with the... Uh, um, the arrangement with the Greens, we've actually got ourselves into um, some slightly um, murky territory at times. Hello and welcome to Holyrood Sources. We're recording on Wednesday the 8th of March and without wishing to toot our own horns too much, we are recording at half past six in the morning. You are welcome, podcast listeners. The reason that we have assembled this morning is to do a bit of a post-match analysis for you on the first TV debate among the candidates, the contenders to be the next SNP leader and go on to be First Minister, of course. Uh, I'm Callum MacDonald. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time with us, thanks for finding us. Please press follow, press subscribe. We're here weekly to analyse what's going on in the leadership contest and beyond, of course. Uh, so press follow, press subscribe, depending where you're listening, and go on, tell one of your friends as well that we're here. Also here, Jeff Aberdeen, former Chief of Staff to Alex Salmond when he was First Minister. Hello, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, hello, hello. And Andy McKeever's with us as well, former Director of Communications for the Scottish Conservatives. Andy, hello. Good morning, good morning. I think we're all doing very well. It's half past six. I feel like we sound reasonably fresh. We're rearing to go. It's all good. Right, let's get stuck in. I want to start just when it comes to debate prep, gearing up for these sorts of things, put into context, Jeff, how, Im- how important was last night, the first TV debate for the candidates? And how do you, how do you prepare? What, what were the kind of key things that we should be looking out for and that we'll hear in our, our analysis on this episode? Yep. Um, firstly, let me put in a bit of caveat about everything I'm about to say. I've, ha- I've just been out of my bed five minutes ago, so I apologise to any listeners for uh, a croaky, sleepy voice. No, look, uh, the, the, firstly, I, I think last night was really compelling. 
It was compelling viewing. And one of the big risks, I think, that many people in the SNP hierarchy would have felt is, look, this, this, this is in danger of, of, of fizzling out. It could be quite a boring, mundane affair, and that wouldn't reflect well on the party. And it certainly wasn't that. It was punchy and it was spicy. And we'll come to that in a second. How important are they? Well, in this particular debate, I thought was important um, because we know from the only poll that's been carried out that 30, uh, over 30 percent are undecided um, in this contest. And so this was an opportunity to reach a wider audience um, and try and influence those undecided voters. Now, uh, in terms of these debates, as you asked, Callum, uh, I think I've been supporting people, uh, whether it's uh, Alex Salmond or, or other senior politicians, in about a dozen or so different debates. And one of the things that you really want to get across is uh, this theme that, that a Robert Burns quote comes to mind, that the mere they talk, I'm Kent, the better. And I think particularly for Kate Forbes, she had to, to move the debate on from uh, what has been a very challenging couple of weeks on her personal uh, beliefs, characterised by her views on that, and get to substance. And so I think she felt and approached the debate last night with a, a sense of, I've got nothing to lose. And mm. she certainly came across with the, the steel that I think some people won't necessarily thought she had, um, with a real kind of um, all-out offensive on what she views as Hamza's weakness and competence, but also seeking to uh, speak to no voters as far as the independence debate is concerned. Uh, so her team, I think, will be pretty pleased that they're talking about her today probably more than anyone else, um, that she's shown that resolve, that she's maybe back in the game, up off the canvas, and they'll be pretty pleased. I thought Hamza was very polished, uh, as he is. Um, I don't think his team will necessarily be hugely disappointed last night, and they'll be quite surprised at the tone and approach of Kate Forbes. And I also think Ash Reagan did uh, better uh, than, I've, than I've seen in her hosting debate so far. Her delivery was a lot better. Well, so there's something for everyone in this particular debate. Yeah. Andy, just in terms of what, what they, I suppose, who they had to appeal to, that's one of the things about debates is, you know, who are you going for? Is it the average viewer at home who's interested in who's going to lead Scotland next? Is it an SNP member? And within the SNP membership, is it somebody who's already convinced as to where how they're going to vote and who they're going to vote for? Or is it that 30% of undecided people? How do you kind of game that in terms of who it is that you're you're answering for and to? Well, that's, that is one of the things that they would have talked about a lot in prep um, in terms of who they were appealing to. I mean, I think that one of the decisions that you have to make, one of the analysis, pieces of analysis that you have to make is how similar are SNP members to SNP voters to the country? How good a cross-section of the country is the SNP membership? I mean, I would argue that political party members are, of any party are not really a particularly good cross-section of society. And then you need to say to yourself, OK, what is this for and who am I appealing to? Yes, I'm on national television, but am I actually appealing to somebody who's not an SNP member or is that something that I'll do after uh, I win. So, um, you know, I thought that was actually very interesting. And we, we actually talked about this. This was obviously an STV debate last night, and I was on um, Scotland Tonight on Monday night on the preview show, and we talked a little bit about this. And I mean, I did mention at the time that they will have to decide whether uh, on Tuesday night they want to come across as an SNP leader or come across as a First Minister, because they're probably different things. They probably do different things, they probably sound different, and they appeal to different people. I thought in general terms, and you know, this is not an exact science, it's probably a little bit crude, but I thought in general terms, 
Hamza Youssef appealed more to the SNP membership or what he will probably see as the SNP membership. He certainly played that continuity candidate card very, very heavily. He had actually, at the hustings the night before in Dumfries, he'd moved away a little bit, I noticed, from some of Nicholas Sturgeon's positions. And he'd he'd moved away, distanced himself from her a little bit. He didn't do that last night. He talked about Nicholas Sturgeon a lot last night um, and was very much the continuity candidate, appealing to the SNP membership, talking a lot about social justice and um, issues of the left more so. Whereas I thought Kate Forbes played the First Minister role last night. I think she went beyond the SNP membership and talked uh, to the country as a whole. I think she talked a lot about the economy. She said the things that probably the SNP membership need to hear. I suppose the big question mark over Kate's strategy last night is are those things what the SNP membership wants to hear? Uh, you know, about taking independence gradually, for instance. You know, that's something that is logical because independence is quite far away and there's quite a long way to go before it can be achieved. But is that what the SNP members want to hear? She talked a lot about the economy, a lot about economic growth as the key to unlock everything else, whereas Hamza Youssef talked about social justice and nobody being left behind. Again, the country might want to hear one of those things, but does the membership want to hear the other? And I think that was a really interesting difference in strategy between the two of them last night. Let me just do a few of the front page headlines for you on this as well then as we get into some of the detail. Uh, the Scotsman online gloves ripped off in first TV debate of SNP leadership contest. Well and truly ripped off indeed is the first line. Uh, the Herald Forbes savages Yusuf's record in first TV hustings of SNP leadership. And then some of the others as well. You'll notice some, some themes really across these headlines. SNP leadership candidates trade personal blows in televised debate, says the Guardian. Uh, what else have we got? The Telegraph. No shortcut, uh, shortcut to Scottish independence. Admit SNP hopefuls in brutal first TV debate. Um, really, um, Jeff, the, the kind of the mop up of this <laughs> is it was pretty fiery. Was that a deliberate strategy? Can you see a deliberate uh, direction of travel, I suppose, throughout the debate for it to be a, an actual <laughs> debate? Yeah, look, t take a step back for a second, guys, and, and let's remind the context we're operating in. It's not so long since we had a Labour Party leadership contest with two brothers, the Middlevan brothers. That got pretty spicy, pretty personal as well. We had the, 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 the Jeremy Corbyn period leading into Keir Starmer and the, the opposition, uh, both the SNP Tories and Lib Dems kind of gleefully pointed out all the fractious activity. And of course, we've had five uh, prime ministers in six years within the Tory party and the opposition have fun at that as well. These are the very nature of debates. It's very difficult to have a debate um, when you when you are, when such stakes are, are on the line, you know, become first minister, become party leader, you're gonna have to have differences of opinion. Imagine for a second that it, it was quite a tepid affair, underwhelming. The criticism would still be there from everyone saying, oh, look, they haven't got any ideas. Um, at least we are moving to a position where we're, 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 we're talking about um, real issues on competence. Um, so I, I think it was almost inevitable. That's the very nature of these types of contests, that you're going to have those disagreements. The question will be, you know, whoever leads, and I think Andy alluded to this earlier, is can they put their, their government uh, back together, the party back together? That's the real challenge and, and the lessons from the other examples in other parties that I mentioned. And just something I was thinking about, um, listening to the, the commentary and, and reviewing the commentary on social media, 
last night. You know, Alex Salmond, um, Rosanna Cunningham and Mike Russell in 2004, the last time there was a, an SNP leadership contest, they got into some pretty robust exchanges of views as well. And then Alex Salmond, when he won the 2007 election uh, three years later, uh, promptly put Mike Russell and Rosanna Cunningham into his government as junior ministers. So that's the real uh, challenge ahead for the, for the leaders to show that disagreements, which, which right, rightly so. I mean, what's the point in standing to become first minister if you were just going to continue with everything as is? You need to point out where you think things need to be freshened up. All that said, I do think it's interesting where this you know, campaign goes now. And I do wonder if, if Kate Forbes' team will think, right, OK, we've made our point, we're in the fight, we've shown some steel, we might need to dial down some of the rhetoric. Equally, I thought Hamza had a, a few um, uh, attacks on Kate as well, uh, mentioning, you know, you can't even bring the yes voters together, you're losing yes voters. That was quite a, a, a direct uh, attack there as well. Maybe they'll be thinking, yeah, we've made our point, we might have to dial that down. But let's not kid ourselves, guys. This is a, a leadership debate. There's going to be an airing of views. There's going to be question of each candidate's competence and their competing visions. And I actually thought it was compelling viewing, as I said earlier, um, uh, and really enjoyable watch. So fascinating to see how this unfolds. Absolutely. Uh, Andy, you described in, I think, our first podcast, actually, that for the first time, the SNP were fighting in front of the children, I think is how you put it. You know, and I, I suppose that kind of came to the fore last night. Um, some of the key things, I mean, low, as I sort of scan around the write-ups this morning, it really does focus on, on Kate Forbes, attacking Hamza over his record, saying uh, mediocrity is a letdown. More of the same is not a manifesto, it's an acceptance of mediocrity. So really playing on that perception of him as the continuity candidate. Also, though, it's interesting to have government ministers up against each other in this context, because they have both served, albeit in different roles and for different lengths of time, etc. But to have members of the same government team effectively going for each other over their, their various records, that's quite an interesting one. Yeah, look, I said that in the first podcast and I think that um, came to fruition last night. But as Jeff says, that is what we have heard from Tory and Labour leadership elections many, many, many times. Um, and parties, uh, the one thing I also said in the first podcast, which uh, I know came up again on Twitter yesterday, actually, uh, on the Holyrood Sources Twitter feed, was... Um, uh, about the fact that parties have a bit of a survival instinct and they are actually quite good at bringing themselves back together again after they've had a contest like this. I, I, think, it's, I think it's pretty clear to see that if Hamza Youssef wins this contest, the party will be able to bring itself back together pretty easily. I don't think that'll be a massive problem. Maybe there's more of a question mark about whether the party brings itself back together more easily if Kate Forbes wins the contest. And the reason I say that is that... You know, you could be on that stage last night and look at these people, certainly those two, Hamza Youssef and Kate Forbes, and possibly all three, and say, are they in the same political party? Because they don't sound like they're in the same political party. Now, in a lot of leadership contests, you know, if, if you go back to the days of David Cameron versus David Davis, or even, you know, more recent ones, you can look at people who have slightly different views, but you can tell they're pretty much in the same space. Hamza Youssef and Kate Forbes are not in the same space, they're not on the same planet when it, comes to the, when it comes to their basic views on politics. As I've said before, Hamza Youssef is the, the politician and the candidate of the urban left. Kate Forbes is neither urban nor is she left. And if it was any other country, 
which didn't conduct its politics along purely constitutional lines like we do, these two people would not be in the same political party. This is far more like a Jeremy Corbyn situation, where you have somebody who is so different to the mainstream of the party that it could actually change a huge amount. And I thought that was, you know, we talk a lot about there's no choice in politics and everybody's the same. Well, boy, is there a choice in the SNP leadership right now? You know, these two candidates stand for very, very different things and they will take this party and this movement in very, very different directions. And I thought that was, as I say, one of the most interesting takeaways from last night was that. And just one point to conclude on as well. I think when you have such iron discipline for such a long period of time and then suddenly somebody opens the can of beans and they burst out all over the room, which is pretty much what happened last night, you become a normal political party and the beans don't go back in the can. So although, yes, the party will probably be brought back together in one form or other and, and you know, they'll, they'll live happily ever after and they might keep winning elections and so on, um, I don't think the concept of having open debates will change. I think you'll see this continuing now. Um, and the next time they have a leadership contest, I suspect it'll happen again. Andy, if I, can, if I come in there, I'm not sure I necessarily fully agree with your characterisation of of how far apart Kate and uh, Hamza are um, ideologically. There's certainly differences, you're right. But, you know, I thought Kate was saying prosperity for a purpose, and she kept mentioning, look, I want to have an economy uh, uh, based upon sustainable economic growth so that we can fund, you know, better child poverty. She mentioned child, child poverty a lot. Now, Hamza was talking about a well-being economy as well with that very same view with a social conscious that that's not a million miles apart so i'm not sure they, they are as far apart in that particular um area of policy but, there's the, but with what politician would i mean everybody wants to help i mean if we take it as a as a base uh, you know a kind of obvious foundational base that everybody in politics whatever party they're from they want to go in there to help people who need help so, I mean, if you take that as a base, that's that's that is just the case. But remember, you have last night. You have Hamza Yusuf talked a lot about the Greens last night as well, and how important it was for the Greens. Now, the Greens are a party that openly don't believe in economic growth. Against a candidate in Kate Forbes who says that economic growth is the most important thing that she wants to do, I think that's a distance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think the, the the Green situation I thought was dealt really interestingly. And Kate Forbes, I think, said. Um, look, if the Greens, I want to work with all independent uh, parties and like-minded people, but the the uh, uh, you know the, the Greens are going to have to get on board with my program of, of of sustainable economic growth. But but I'm just talking about a well-being economy. We should really challenge that a little more and see what he means by that, because a well-being economy to me is where you do have greater uh, prosperity for all, and you can have greater wealth distribution. The purpose of wealth creation when you're on the centre the centre left is so that you can distribute it. Um, more fairly, and I thought that that's you know Kate alluding to child poverty on several occasions alluded to that. I just I, I, I do accept there's a different approach here. Let's not let's be clear, but I do think it's not as far away uh, from each other as you might uh, originally uh, think. I also think you know your point is right, Andy, about the novelty factor here. It is 20 years since we've had a leadership contest with the SNP, and I do think the opponents are quite enjoying uh, uh, the stramash. Uh, that's going on before them. But this is, you know, the very nature of leadership debates. And the SNP is a political party. And as we've said in a previous couple of podcasts, there is a little bit of an identity 
kind of crisis going on within the SNP? What do we stand for? What is it that we want to pursue? And remember, the one thing that I thought was really interesting about last night, and I think that Hamza and Ash will try and adopt some of this language, is Kate kept talking about no voters, um, trying to bring them uh, into the, the movement and, and, and you know, convincing them of the merits of a competent government that builds, seeks to build a case for independence. And I think that was quite well done, because if you were watching that debate last night, the most majority of people wouldn't be an SNP members, to your point about um, Kate being more kind of channeled towards being the next first minister. I do think that's something that Hamza and Ash will have to adopt as well, because ultimately, right now, if the polls are be, to be believed, uh, that there would not be an independence majority. So there needs to be convincing of no voters. So I thought that was quite an interesting uh, approach as well. Mm, mm. I suppose one of one of the key things from a debate, and we've kind of talked about who they're aiming at, who they're appealing to, do we feel like we learned anything? So I feel like we've learned a little bit more about their own approach, their own strategies, some of their differences, and perhaps how they want to distinguish themselves from each other. And maybe that's enough. Maybe, maybe we don't need to know much else. But there was talk about National Care Service. There was talk about um, child poverty. Is this a place, is this a, is this a forum to, to actually set out those kind of manifesto things? Or is it, is it actually just about creating those little divides, those little differences, and trying to make yourself memorable, I suppose, Andy? Um, I mean, I think, yes. <clears throat> it was an important opportunity last night for exactly that, to make yourself memorable. Remember, there's 100,000 members of this political party. They can't all get to one of the hustings that have been on. There are, what, 10 or 12 hustings, I think, uh, over the period of the campaign. You can't get 100,000 people there. So last night was actually important, not just for viewers in general. It was important for the members, because that might be all the members see of these candidates. So, um, so that was important, too. I, I'm reflecting on what Jeff said earlier about the undecideds, and I do think that is pretty critical here when it comes to last night, because... If you are undecided, by definition, you have not uh, taken a view based on what has happened in the first two weeks of the campaign. Now, the first two weeks of the campaign have been very explosive, especially when it comes to Kate Forbes' entry into it. And if you've not made up your mind about that, I think by definition, you're probably the sort of person who thinks a little deeper about these things and might be looking for something in particular from their candidates when it comes to an event like last night. And I think that will be interesting, particularly for the Kate Forbes and Hamza Youssef teams. Because who are these 30-odd percent? I mean, of course, we're basing this on one 500-person poll, it has to be said. And, and political party memberships are notoriously difficult to poll, much more so than the general population. But it was done by Savanta, a perfectly credible polling organisation. So if we take it at face value that there are that volume of undecideds. What is it that's going to persuade them? What are they looking for? Now, I suspect that Kate Forbes' team is saying, well, if they're undecided now, then I can make them realise that this is not about making them happy. This is about showing them that I can get a majority of people in this country who want to be independent. So I'm going to be honest about that. I'm going to say it's going to take a long time. She used the phrase gentle persuasion last night about independence. And I kind of raised my eyebrows when she said that because I thought, geez, that is not what the membership want to hear, right? They don't want gentle persuasion. They want a, they want a sledgehammer at the door of Westminster. Um, but actually, I think what she's doing is saying, 
you know, to those undecideds, if you're capable of keeping your powder dry for this long in the campaign, then you're capable of understanding the nuance behind what we're trying to achieve here. So this is slow, this is gradual, we're still actually quite far away from that. And if you analyse especially what she said last night, I think it is a direct pitch for those undecided votes. It's a direct pitch for that reasonable undecided cohort to say to them, look, this is not a click of the finger here. We can't do it like that. It's going to take a while. We've got to build the economy. We've got to build the government. We've got to show we're competent at running things. And we've got to be honest about the fact that independence is actually still quite far away. Yeah, I think that's really good analysis, Andy. Uh, and there's not much to disagree with in that. I mean, Callum, to answer your question on, on the policies, I think by virtue of some of the questioning from Colin Mackay uh, last night on and how much would that cost? We were talking about the child payment. We were talking about... Um, the National Care Service. I think all candidates are going to be scrambling around for their briefings on on costings and 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 various different high level figures. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a contest now based on what we saw last night, where they're going to get away with saying, "Oh, we'll look at that again." Well, you know, they're going to have to be a bit put a bit more meat in the bone in terms of actual policies and and how they are costed going forward. So I think that might just happen. Uh, embryonically and naturally uh, based on what I saw last night. And the point on independence uh, is well made as well, Andy. I felt, you know, for, for political anoraks like all of us on this call, we could kind of understand some of the nuance of that independence debate at the beginning of the debate. I feel that if you're a punter at home, you'd be getting quite confused about what they were, all the candidates were actually saying. So my next thing I think we look out for is a little bit of refining of what they're actually trying to propose in that space. And you're right, Andy, there is risk, inherent risk, because there is no magic solution um, But I, uh, to the independence. It's not going to happen overnight, and that's a tough pill for some members to swallow. But I do think there's going to have to be a refining of the position on independence, because if you're not an anorite like us, as I say, you would have left that going, I'm not really sure what they're saying on this particular section, you know? Jeff, I don't think you need to be... You know, I think even Anorax left that last night saying I'm not sure what they're saying on that particular position. Fair point. I, I, I actually thought that it was the first question of the whole debate. And I thought to myself, they they want the hell out of this question ASAP because Man. actually they're, they're... Because there isn't an easy answer, because yeah. there isn't that light switch answer, it's very difficult to create something credible. Mm. And actually... If you try to deconstruct what they were saying, it's actually extremely confusing. You know, if you said right now at just before seven o'clock in the morning, right, give us a rundown of exactly what each candidate's proposal is for getting independence, I'd be scratching my head a little bit and maybe having to go back and watch a bit of last night's debate just to remind myself what they actually are. It's not at all obvious because it's not at all easy. Well, here's the, here's the sort of soundbite write-up. This is from the BBC. Hamza Yusuf said he wanted to build a consistent majority by continuing the party's radical agenda. Kate Forbes said a new approach was needed to win over undecided voters, saying continuity won't cut it. And Ash Regan said the SNP had lost its way and pledged to unite the broader yes movement. That's the kind of one-line summary per candidate um, on plans for independence and <laughs> and to be and, and let's let's have a complete equality across all three candidates. None of those things say anything. At no, all. that's right. Maybe so, Ash, maybe Ash Regan's <laughs> analysis that we're all being a bit wishy washy is, you know, is actually on the money. You know, on that one. Um, that is interesting. It's really interesting because independence is so central. Um, if you were listening to or watching the debate last night, you want to have your say, then email us anytime. The email address is hello at hollywoodsources 
Sports.com. We'd gladly include it uh, at the start of next week's episode as well. Um, I suppose uh, one thing that I'm interested in as well, Jeff, is by way of by way of continuity, how much of the SNP before this leadership contest is apparent in the leadership contest. And I'm asking that broadly because we've talked about how there's kind of continuity in the in the candidates. Is there continuity in policies? I'm thinking about those uh, those big things that perhaps were very evident towards the end of Nicola Sturgeon's time or, or pre her resignation announcement, at least, you know, the gender reform bill, independence we've touched on. How much of this follows into to this new era and how much of it is about something I think Kate Forbes actually said, which is about, you know, change. This is a new ch- a new time, really, for the SNP. Yeah, I thought Andy's um, uh, kind of characterisation of Hamza's kind of pivot at the hustings recently is really interesting because I noticed that as well. And he's the, you know, self-labelled kind of continuity candidate. And even he's recognising, I think, look, you know, you have to stand for some level of uh, change. And I wonder if he was getting that feedback either from members or or, or focus groups or whatever from his campaign team. So I think whoever wins, we're going to have we're going to see varying degrees of change of approach um, on certain policies. We've talked before on this podcast about the policy landscape and some of the major issues facing whoever wins. And, and yes, gender reform and that Section 35 order is one of those um, issues. Alcohol sponsorship, DRS scheme, potentially energy strategy as well, and the National Care Service. I think it's safe to say that that Hamza would even seek, as the continuity candidate, to amend, perhaps reverse, delay some of these policies. So there's going to be a degree of change, whatever happens. I think, Kate, it will be more profound. Uh, there'll be a bit more um, uh, proactive change in those issues. And I think the same with Ash Reagan as uh, well. So uh, I do wonder, incidentally, if you'll see kind of Hamza in the, the days that follow. It'll be interesting to see how the fallout from t- last night's debate and we'll try to kind of pivot away again from that continuity and actually talk about what he would do differently. Mm. Now, um, what Andy said earlier is also true. There is an element of of high-level approach of trying to continue Nicola Sturgeon's um, uh, legacy. And and I think, you know, Hamza set out last night and he felt that she was the most formidable politician in these aisles. I'm not sure I like that line, incidentally, because you're kind of saying, well, I'm by definition second best then mm. if I'm going into this leadership. So I think that needs to be mollified as well. I'm really interested to see in terms of policy and in terms of delivery where this campaign goes. Again, I say last night Kate Forbes had to get off the canvas, show that she had steel, get 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 you know skin in the game, a bit more um, competitive in this race and move on from those personal kind of um, uh, uh, criticisms that mm. she's faced. Ash Regan, you know, we haven't talked a lot about her yeah. in this podcast so far. I thought she was pretty solid, actually, in some of her delivery. I, I noticed a marked improvement. I don't think she's the most polished performer, but I have to say I thought there was improvement there. It'll be interesting to see how they take this continuity issue. You know, everyone's now talking about continuity, mm. you know, and that's kind of Kate's, Kate's kind of... Um, Um, mantra last night won't cut it whilst Hamza wants to continue I think we're going to see a lot of um, uh, kind of interpretations from each candidate moving forward and my guess is Hamza will seek to to nullify, not nullify but mollify, just amend that approach uh, somewhat, I think he has to. It's really interesting 
Yeah, I mean, look, credit to Jeff is right. We should, we should get. It's easy to discount Ash Reagan because we know from everything that we're hearing and seeing that she's probably not going to be first minister in a month. But credit where it's due, Ash Reagan is not afraid to be bold, uh, and she's not afraid to say what she thinks. She resigned, obviously, from the uh, government before Nicola Sturgeon did. Ash Reagan resigned over the GRR issue, so she has. Uh, whether people agree with her principles or not she has them um, and she sticks to them and let's remember as well during this campaign she's the first person to come out and change the approach on oil and gas she was the first person to say we're going to keep we're going to keep drilling for oil and gas because I'd rather use our oil and gas than import it she was the first person to say that and last night also she was bold last night in several ways the one that uh, two that have struck me actually one she talked about not rejoining the European Union she'd done that a few days before as well but she talked about it again last night that's a big thing in SNP circles to come out and say that she talked about joining the European Free Trade Association instead I think we mentioned it briefly on last week's podcast and she talked about it again last night that's a pretty bold thing in SNP circles and last night um, she was asked about the monarchy um, and uh, Kate Forbes and Hamza Youssef gave a broadly speaking pro monarchy answer in, well, well, Hamza Yusuf said he was a Republican but said he wasn't perhaps massively worried about it Kate Forbes also said she wasn't worried about it Ash Reagan came out and said you know we need to start a conversation uh, about whether or not we should be looking to be uh, a, a Republican independent country rather than in the Commonwealth and rather than with the monarchy so credit where it's due Ash, Ash Reagan's not afraid to come out and say um, important things in controversial areas that are worth debating I think when it comes to the candidates, it's fascinating because they've they've all got in the back of their mind, surely, some sort of strategizing around the voting system as well. So while we, while it might be framed as Humza versus Kate, actually there are people who are supporting Ash Reagan, and and their votes have to be up for grabs at some level as well, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, the second vote strategy, and 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 I thought that the, the cross examination section between uh, Kate and Ash Reagan was quite revealing, and I, mean, I interpreted that as. Um, you know, basically saying, you know, we, we, we agree on the importance of green industrialisation, creating jobs and growth and supply chain content and making sure Scottish companies benefit. And a lot of agreement there. And I, I, I essentially interpret that as, look, you know, I'll take your second vote here. That would be a, a very handy <laughs> uh, for both of the candidates. Mm-hmm. And how far does that go in, in achieving success in a, in a debate, Jeff? Again, if it's about kind of being memorable, if it's about just carving out some sort of niche, some sort of difference, actually, that sounds like the, the exact sort of thing you want to do in that, in that sort of setting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've, you've answered your own question yeah. there, Callum. And <laughs> I, I think, the, uh, you know, if you're, if you're Hamza Yusuf going into this debate, you're the front runner, both with that uh, poll that we've talked about, but also with all the parliamentary support that he's managed to muster. So he's undoubtedly the, the, the favourite. For the other two candidates, it's about getting noticed. It's about being punchy. It's about um, uh, illustrating your credentials. Um, uh, and I said at the start, you know, the Burns quote, the more they talk, I'm mm. Kent, the better. So on that alone, I think the Kate Forbes team will be pretty pleased that they're talking today about her steel and, uh, um, and okay, perhaps, you know, there will be some need to, to, to kind of soften that, the rhetoric on the, on the, on the competence uh, jibes to, to, to Hamza. But ultimately, they're going to be talking about her today. So mission accomplished. And then you move from there. Same with Ash. Andy's right. Some bold statements there. Getting noticed. Um, really important. And Because what you've got to remember here is, you know, that the last question was really interesting last night, wasn't it, from Colin Mackay? Or I think it was the last one where he said, you know, would you have the other candidate in your cabinet? Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, there's going to have to be a cabinet at the end of all of this. And if both 
Ash and Kate, for example, were to lose, um, have they given a great enough account of themselves that, um, you know, as I said earlier, that Alex Salmon put Mike Russell and Rosanna Cunningham in his government, would they say, look, I think I have to put you in because you've done such a good job? So there's whole different kind of things at play here uh, as part of that. Um, so I think you've answered your question, Callum. It was about getting noticed for the other two candidates, for, for, for showing what they they can really deliver to a wider audience. And for Hamza, it was about trying to um, uh, continue and project himself as the, the front runner and try and avoid a lot of the, the kind of pitfalls that debates can offer. Uh, but that is a really important point, though, from Jeff, because yeah. he's got a double danger here. Firstly, yeah. he's the favourite. Yeah. And when you're the favourite, you can only lose in one of these situations. You can never gain. And secondly, he's a continuity candidate, which also makes it difficult. And I thought something Jeff said earlier was really pertinent, actually. He, he's, he is the, he's the follower to Nicola Sturgeon. He's the continuity candidate to Nicola Sturgeon. But he doesn't want to present himself as being her lesser. Uh, and I think that was one of the things that... And Ash Reagan picked him up on it last night, actually. The more he says how fantastic Nicola was, the more people think he's a kind of inadequate replacement for her. Like when you take your car to the garage and you have to drive home for the day in a Fiat Punto. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think he needs to make clear that he is his own person, that he is of quality and of competence, and that he can run the show without having to think, what would Nicola do here? He needs to make clear that he can do that. Because I think he can. I don't think he needs to rely on Nicola Surgeon's legacy. I think he can do his own thing. But he needs to just walk that line a little bit more carefully between saying, yes, she was great and I'm, you know, I'm the natural successor to her, but also making it clear, actually, I can be better than mm. she was. Mm. What's it like on the inside on a debate night, Jeff, when you're getting ready, those, that final sort of half hour before it kicks off? Do you have fond memories of, of debate nights? Fond memories, no. Um, <laughs> uh, petrified memories. I mean, I mean, look, the, 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 I think we need to say I've got a lot of respect for anyone that will put themselves yeah. through that, that, that forum. It is not an easy platform at, at all. And, and I think last night they all can take something away from that. I said that before. Um, and that is coming from someone that has been involved very at the epicentre of these types of um, uh, debates. I think when you go into a debate like this, you want to come out with, my God, don't, you know, when you're advising somebody, no major, major mistakes, mm. no moments where you, you you completely contradict yourself, you fall into a trap, because that can become the defining issue of the debate. If you make a real pig's ear of something on an issue, don't think that happened last night. Um, and I think more, all, all candidates can come out and say, OK, we're still still in the game. But the pitfalls are very much there and alive, particularly in the first big debate, the first televised debate, because that can sometimes set the tone for the rest of the campaign. I do think, based on what we saw last night, if I was sitting advising uh, all the candidates, like, we're going to get pushed now, we're going to get pushed on a number of issues, relating to independence, listening to costings of policies and all the rest of it. So I think there's going to be a bit more substance from each of the candidates. A lot of high level, this is the approach we should take. Of course, that will have to be looked at in the, in, the, in the spending round and all the rest of it. I think they're going to get pushed in that. I think you might see it in some of the hustings. Uh, and so I think you'll have to have a bit more substance, meat on the bone in some of the policies. That's something I would be advising each candidate to be a little bit more um, uh, detailed than what you're specifically uh, offering. I also think that when we 
look back on this election campaign, uh, this leadership campaign, and whenever the First Minister is installed, you want to have said to yourself as an individual and as a campaign team, did we really sell ourselves to the fullest degree? Did we, did we, did we manage to put ourselves out there so people understood exactly what I'm offering? Because this, this may be the only chance that these individuals get in such a forum. You know, it doesn't come around a lot. And so I also expect to see a lot more personality coming through uh, for the remainder of the debate. Listen, I'm here, I want this, and this is why I want it. You'll move away from perhaps the pre-prepared script lines and you'll see that natural gravitation towards the person as opposed to some of the policies as well. So those are the things I would look out for uh, in the remainder of the, the, the TV debates at least. Andy, it's interesting to look forward, isn't it? Because that was just the first TV debate. Uh, the next one is March the 9th, Thursday evening, uh, Channel 4, 7pm. Sky News are doing one on March the 13th. The BBC is doing one March the 14th. The Inverness Courier's got one March the 17th. And in amongst all of that are the, the hustings as well that are, that are continuing. And so, just to pick up on, <clears throat> on Jeff's kind of thoughts there, what does debate one do for the rest of this campaign? What do we look out for? Um, well, I mean, I think that the, the candidates will analyse a lot of what they've said last night. Um, and they, to be honest, candidates and, and campaign teams, as Jeff and I both know, will tend to overanalyse these things, actually. But they'll certainly want to put right some of the areas that they think potentially went a little bit wrong um, for them. Uh, and they'll want to you know, re-emphasise their strengths and try and minimise their weaknesses. You know, if we look back to a, a, an interesting example, which people still talk about a lot, if you go back to the referendum in 2014 um, and the Alistair Darling and Alex Salmond debates. Um, so in the first one, because Alex Salmond is Alex Salmond, um, you know, extrovert, very big personality, and because Alistair Darling was seen as being, you know, a, a calmer former chancellor, everybody expected in that first debate that Alex Salmond would come off the better, and he got absolutely scalped by Alistair Darling. And I suspect, Jeff, it came as a bit of a shock, probably, to the, to the Salmond team that that happened. But he really schooled up to make sure it didn't happen again the next time. Um, and the next debate was very different to the first one, um, where almost the opposite happened, where you know perhaps the Alistair Darling campaign team thought they could just kind of do a 2.0 and do the same thing again. But... The Salmon team made sure that didn't happen. So these teams will do that again and they'll make sure, because there are still a number of debates to come, they'll make sure that they they won't make the same mistakes that they did again and they'll want to double down on the things that went well and try and make them happen again too. I think one thing that we'll, and we, we mentioned a little bit earlier on, in terms of getting more substance, there's a lot of these still to go. And there's another week or so, I think, before actually voting even opens. So they've got to face each other a lot more, both in hustings uh, and in TV. And the temptation to start to come up with more policy, I think, will be quite significant. So I think they will start to want to come up with things. They might start wanting to put numbers on things that they would do. We saw a little bit of it on the hoof last night on the... Uh, child payment policy actually where some numbers were getting chucked around Kate said I'm going to put it up by inflation Hamza said I'm going to put it from 25 to 30 pounds and so on and a lot of this is kind of being done on the hoof so I think you might start to get the teams working up some more credible policies that they'll release through the press uh, and then start to talk about at debates as well so I think we will actually see a lot more they'll want you know like a comedian going on stage night after night after night, they'll want to try to think about, about some fresh material so that they, people are actually starting to hear something else. And if they get a hint that the membership is liking something that they are saying, then of course they're going to want to start saying more of it. So I think you can expect this to intensify. 
interesting thing will be, as you know, Jeff hinted earlier, they might dial down the kind of personal stuff. Maybe they will, but maybe they won't if they think it's working. Mm. Yeah. Can I just uh, come in there, Callum? I mean, you mentioned the 2014 uh, referendum uh, debates with uh, Alex Salmon and Alistair Darling. Uh, expectation management, you know, um, mm. because Alex Salmon was viewed as a formidable performer, he came into that, I think you made the point earlier on, with everything to lose and nothing uh, to gain. And, you know, the perception was, Andy said he got scalped. It was one particular sequence of questioning that he went on that, you know, I've said this publicly before, when he started it and went into it, I removed myself from the spin room in the debate into there was a, a, an adjacent uh, lecture theatre in the venue we were at and put my head in my hands for the <laughs> remainder of the debate because I knew that was the moment. That was the moment. It didn't matter the rest of the debate. That was the moment that we lost. And that was what I was alluding to earlier on. It was a terrible moment. And you're right, because those expectations had then been lowered ahead of the next debate, Alex Salmon came on. A lot of content was similar between both candidates as it was in the first debate, but he became a lot more polished and 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 the view was that he'd kind of scaled Alistair Darling but that shows doesn't it that one example that huge example of just how how fragile these debates are and how careful you have to be not to make that big error that everyone remember mm. uh, remembers mm. Um, Andy, do you have debate experience that you want to share? I, I feel I, I don't know if I'm allowed to leak WhatsApps, but it feels like the the mood of the nation at the moment to do so. And in our WhatsApp group yesterday, there was a bit of um, a bit of jovial fun about perhaps uh, Andy your involvement in debates in the past and whether you've ever won any. Um, yeah, and I, I think I, I, I said in our WhatsApp group that the only debates I've won were the ones where I was um, playing an opposition politician against a Tory leader in debate <laughs> prep. I won them quite a lot. Um, no, uh, because I was uh, largely prepping Tory leaders for debate, we we were trying to achieve something else from it. So we were just trying to get out alive most of the time. Um, and it, it was a very different. I mean, the. the this is where it's interesting the different characters that you have that you're prepping. So I worked for David McCletchie and Annabelle Goldie, the first two Tory leaders of devolution. Mm. David McCletchie was a formidable, forensic, very detailed lawyer and debater. Um, and he actually was extremely effective in these formats. And if he had been in charge of uh, you know, a more credible party, he would have done very well out of these occasions because it was very hard to uh, trip David up. So, you know, he 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 needed a lot, he wanted a lot of prep, but it was really um just to kind of formalize and for him to practice. He didn't need trained as such, he just needed uh, to be in the swing of getting questions and answering them. Annabelle was totally different because she was so broad brush. There's there's no detail at all really with Annabelle. It's all it's all very broad brush. And she was able to kind of escape from these debates that way by giving a fairly flowery rhetorical uh, answer and just being generally kind of your nice auntie and, and sort of getting out of it that way. So actually debates for the Tories were never quite as bad as they otherwise might have felt like they should be. <laughs> 
That's it's a very diplomatic answer, I feel like, in some ways. Uh, there you go. That's the sort of insight you get from Jeff and from Andy every single week on Hollywood Sources. I think that's a really helpful anal- post-match analysis on the first TV debate. I'm sure we'll do this again sometime, actually, um, if we look at the dates. So the 9th, the 13th, the 14th, the 17th. Those are the televised debates, uh, all in March, of course. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be picking up some of these threads a bit later on, whether those personal attacks continue, whether there's a, a continuation of a, a wishy-washy, to use Ash Regan's phrase, a wishy-washy approach in independence. Also, those key other policy differences. Now that they've carved out their debate niches, perhaps, do they uh, exploit those? Do they go into more detail, um, more depth on what policy differences um, they're bringing as potentially the next First Minister of Scotland? Uh, lots to discuss as the weeks go by. Your thoughts are always welcome as well. Get involved in the podcast. Let us know what you thought of the debate. Was there a winner? Can you define a winner from the first TV debate? And even onwards, as you're watching the ones between now and the next time we speak, drop us an email. The email address is hello at hollywoodsources.com. It'd be lovely to hear from you. Uh, Until next Wednesday then, thank you very much for listening. Do follow, do subscribe, tell your friends. Make sure that they're listening to the best Scottish politics podcast around. It's this one, by the way. Uh, Make sure they're listening too. And we'll speak to you next week.